Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. To a special place called America. It was a small cluster of colonies caught between a great ocean and a vast wilderness. It was home to an incredible people with a revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves, that they could chart their own destiny, and that together they could light up the entire world. Hello, brothers and sisters. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. We're going to continue tonight analyzing this document that has gotten so much attention, leaked from the Supreme Court, written by Justice Samuel Alito, and uh, being a draft opinion in this big abortion case, the Dobbs decision, the Dobbs case that the Supreme Court is about to issue officially. Let's begin with scripture and, uh, and prayer. Psalm 60. O God, you have rejected us and broken our defenses. You have been angry. Rally us. You have rocked the country and split it open. Repair the cracks, for it is tottering. You have made your people feel hardships. You have given us stupefying wine. You have raised for those who fear you a banner to which they may flee out of bowshot that your loved ones may escape. Help us by your right hand and answer us. Give us aid against the foe, for worthless is the help of men. Under God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. Let us pray. Lord God, the words of this psalm very much reflect the thoughts and feelings of so many of our fellow citizens as we see the damage that has been done to our country by so many of those currently in power. Lord God, we, we ask you repair the damage, repair the, the cracks in our freedom, in our security, in our defense of life, in our standing on the world stage, in our military Lord God, so much has been cracked and broken, but we know, as this psalm says, Lord God, that you can repair it. You can save our nation. We can cooperate with you in saving our nation. We can rebuild what has been torn down. It is not too late, but Lord God, neither can we delay. Let us rebuild. Let us rebuild, Lord God, with a favorable court decision that will set us back on a path of building a culture of life and ending the violence that takes more human life than anything else, that of abortion. Set us on a course, Lord God, through this, not only a positive court decision, but through this midterm election, that we may elect people who will again put America first, rebuild our freedom, our security, and protect the right to life. Give us again strong leaders, right vision, deep courage, fierce patriotism, 
Give us perseverance, Lord God, in making America great. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you have your hat, right? Making America great. Making America great again. Making America great again. Again. This is what we have to do. Building the right to life is part of that. You know, Schumer had some things to say. I guess he's following Brandon's example, you know, about the MAGA people. MAGA people. Listen, these guys can criticize it all they want. So can the church leaders who don't like what priests like me are doing. You know what? Too bad. Too bad. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to do it proudly. We're going to speak it boldly. Because we, brothers and sisters, we especially who join in this network and watch these programs, we know where we're going, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. This is not some kind of, of uh, 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 you know, unthought uh, spree of emotions. This We are solidly based in principles that uh, are rooted in the gospel, ultimately, and rooted in our in our basic human nature. Uh, and that's why we can think clearly about matters like child killing. I mean, this is as bad as it was in the scriptures. What this court decision is addressing is, a, is a, a, an erroneous 1973 decision that has led to 63.5 million abortions. The children who have been slaughtered, I mean, it's just beyond words. So what we've been analyzing here in this document is that Justice Alito writes that there are five considerations why the court now should reverse this long-standing, almost uh, 50 years now, January, it'll be 50 years, decision legalizing abortion. Why should we reverse it now? And he says, first of all, it was egregiously wrong. The nature of the error was very, very deep, very, very consequential, very, very damaging. Secondly, he said that the, um, uh, the reasoning was very weak, and this is what we've been uh, analyzing uh, here at the moment, and we're going to look at one more weakness to the reasoning, uh, and then we'll get into the third, fourth, and fifth reasons. But first of all, <clears throat> the weakness of the following thing that these court decisions, Roe and then Casey in 1992, gave to us. They said viability is the line at which constitutionally a state may start protecting a baby in the womb, but not before. It's like, what? Where in the Constitution is viability? Nowhere. In fact, if you look at the Roe v. Wade decision, where in the oral arguments was viability? Nowhere. Where in the briefs was viability? Nowhere. Where in the laws that, that were being debated out of the state of Georgia and Florida? I mean, not Florida. Georgia and Texas. There were actually two cases together, okay? Roe and, and Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton. Roe v. Wade out of Texas. Where in the law was viability? Nowhere. So this concept was added at the last minute by the justices. Okay. Viability in and of itself is ambiguous. First of all, okay, nowhere in the Constitution. So constitutionally, it, it, there's no force to the argument whatsoever that that should be a, a constitutional dividing line. 
But then even just medically, let's think about this for just a moment. Viability at the time of Roe v. Wade was considered to be about 28 weeks. Now it's more like 22. If you consider it from a medical point of view and ask you know, neonatologists and maternal fetal medicine specialists and, 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 and just doctors in general, they'll tell you nowadays, I mean, and we have the case uh, examples to back it up, you know, a baby that's born at that time, 22 weeks, there's even been 21 weeks, uh, babies that have been born that uh, have survived pretty well. But it's not just a timetable. It's a guess. It's an estimate. Viability is what is your assessment about how well this baby will survive if the baby comes out of the womb now? Well, what does that depend on, brothers and sisters? Does that depend just on the calendar? Does that not also depend on the condition of health of the baby? What about the condition of health of the mother? And what about the kind of medical treatment that awaits that baby when he or she exits the mother? What kind of machines are there going to be? What kind of medicines are there going to be? What kind of people are there going to be? Are there going to be people with the attitude that, hey, we have to do everything we can to save this baby? Or are there going to be people with the attitude of, well, this baby is below 24 weeks, so therefore too young, we're not going to do anything. So that is in their head. It's not in the baby. It's not a characteristic of the baby. If the doctors are saying we're not going to do anything to help the baby, that's not a characteristic of the baby. It's a characteristic of the doctor. If one hospital has a, a, a medical equipment that can help this baby get more oxygen, because the development of the lungs is a key issue at, these, at, this, at this point uh, for their survivability, well, I might have a better machine than you do. This hospital might have a better machine than the other one does. The quality of the medical equipment, the level of training of the medical personnel, the degree of commitment of the medical personnel to save that baby, don't all these things weigh into the question of whether or not this child is going to survive? All of this to say that it's an extremely weak argument, and this is what Justice Alito was saying, because of the weakness of the arguments on which Roe and Casey, which Roe and Casey put forward, it's time to, to, it's time to reverse them. It really is. I mean, this is weak, 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 weak stuff. Okay, let's go past this weakness argument. And... Talk about the third reason that Justice Alito says it's time to reverse these decisions. And that's the concept called workability. Now, I actually did an entire uh, discussion of workability uh, in a, uh, in a uh, previous um, uh, program. Let me just summarize it this way. The court is supposed to give guidance to other courts and to lawmakers as to what corresponds to the Constitution. If you're going to create a statute, you're going to create a law, and that's not the business of the court, it's the business of the legislature, that law has to correspond to our higher civil law, which is constitutional provisions. So in other words, any statute that is created has to correspond to the Constitution. Remember, the lawmakers who make those statutes, whether you're talking about lawmakers in Congress 
or whether you're talking about lawmakers in the individual states, those lawmakers have taken an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States. So they can't make a law that's contrary to that Constitution. The judges are not the only ones who take an oath to the Constitution. The lawmakers do. In fact, every public official does. So the courts have to provide guidance to the other courts and to the lawmakers about what corresponds to the Constitution in, on various issues. So Roe v. Wade attempted to provide some guidance. And they failed miserably because in the years after Roe v. Wade, various decisions came out from the Supreme Court itself, shifting and changing provisions of Roe v. Wade and disagreeing on how they applied. And then in Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992, they jettisoned, as we mentioned last time, a lot of the reasoning of Roe v. Wade. They said, ah, oh, this doesn't make sense anymore, or they just ignored it. And they introduced another standard called undue burden. What they said was a law that a state passes about abortion would be constitutional as long as it doesn't put a substantial obstacle in the way of women getting an abortion or provide, in other words, an undue burden to her in getting an abortion. The problem with that is that what is undue and what is a burden and what is substantial is subjective. It's not defined according to specifically identified criteria. It's subjective. What somebody dis, dis, uh, discerns is a, is a burden someone else may say is not. And in fact, you saw this unfold in the years subsequent to the Casey decision. Here's one simple example. Among the very justices who created this undue burden standard, when a case came along, Casey was in 1992, when a case came along in 2000 dealing with abortion, specifically a procedure called partial birth abortion, whether that was constitutional or not, two of the justices, two of the three justices that came up with this undue burden standard said that uh, the, the, the law that they were judging about did not meet the undue burden standard, and the third one said that it did. And then... Several years after that, there was likewise a disagreement among two of the justices about the same question of whether the undue burden standard meant that this law was acceptable or was not. So it's like, okay, that's just one little sliver of a whole host of disagreements in the Supreme Court, in the lower courts, all across the country the judges have been confused about how to judge the constitutionality of many, many, many laws that states have passed regarding abortion, laws regarding the funding of abortion, laws regarding parental involvement, laws regarding clinic regulations. 
The Supreme Court itself had two cases regarding clinic regulations just four years apart in 2016 and, and, and 2020. And they and they they disagreed among themselves and shifted and changed things just within those two cases in those that short period of four years. All of which is to say the guidance has been confusing, inconsistent, subjective, and you so want to summarize all that in one word unworkable. This is historically a reason to change a court decision, to throw out a standard, to reverse a precedent. If you have given us an unworkable standard, you might as well not have given us a standard at all. And that's why Justice Alito's draft opinion throws out Casey throws out the undue burden, says, you know what, this is, this is basically uh, uh, no, of no good to us. Okay, unworkable. Fourth reason, Roe and Casey, and let me just read from the, the opinion here, have led to the distortion of many important but unrelated legal doctrines. We call this the abortion distortion. In other words, no legal doctrine is safe when it comes to abortion. Abortion changes all the rules. Uh, For example, third-party standing doctrine. What does that mean? Can I go into a court to defend your right or to claim that you've been hurt? If you've been hurt, you have to go to the court. And show them that you've been hurt and, and defend your own right. You don't, don't rely on me to do that. I, if I go to the court and say, hey, Joe Smith has been hurt by this law, the court's going to say, who are you? Let me hear from Joe Smith. Now, if, if Joe Smith and I have a very close relationship, let's say he's a close family member, and for some reason he's incapable, maybe for physical reasons or health reasons, he's incapable of speaking for himself. Well, then the court recognizes this third party standing. But in the absence of such a relationship or in the absence of some inability of Joe Smith to go in and speak for himself, you can't have a third party do this. It's not how the court system works. You've got to have standing. It's called standing. You've got to have the right to... You know, and the reason to be able to say to the court, hey, there's a there's a controversy here that you have to rule on. And yet, when it comes to abortion, the rule goes out the window. Why? Because abortionists who run these abortion clinics regularly go to the courts, and the courts have allowed them to do this, and they say, I'm here on behalf of all these women that want to get abortions. And I'm here to defend their rights. What the court should be saying is, who are you? Let the women come in and speak for themselves. They don't have a close relationship with these women. Brothers and sisters, they're strangers. These women don't know the abortionists like they know their own doctor. That They're strangers. No, 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 no. But when it comes to abortion, everything goes out the window. First Amendment rights. First Amendment rights. To speak freely against abortion, to protest. These things have all been limited by the courts only because it's the matter of abortion, not because there's some independent constitutionally based reason 
to limit those rights. And final point um, is what's called reliance. Um, we, you know, the argument here is maybe we shouldn't change this decision. And Kiss is what Casey was saying in regard to Roe. It wasn't reaffirming the arguments of Roe. The Casey decision didn't say, oh, Roe was so compelling in its arguments, we can't possibly refute them. We're going to reaffirm the decision. That's not what they said. They ignored the arguments. And they said, basically, well, you know, people have come to rely on the availability of abortion. They've come to rely on it. Women have come to rely on it so that they can advance in society. And, you know, like many of the briefs in the case said, and I've studied them all, that's an insult to women. You can advance in society. Oh, yeah, you can become a successful businesswoman, a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor. Yeah, you can, you can become successful in society. But you need to be able to kill your children in order to do it. And yet, do you and I not know countless examples of women including one that was recently put on the Supreme Court, who are moms and who happen to be very successful in the profession that they've chosen to pursue. You've seen Justice Amy Coney Barrett's family in various photos. Come on, the advancement of women in society depends on the ability to kill their children? rather than on the ability of that woman to develop her talents, to do the work necessary to obtain a position in society, to weigh and balance the different responsibilities of motherhood, family, child rearing it at the same time, pursuing that education, pursuing that career. You know what? They can do it and they do do it. And they do it quite successfully and in quite great numbers throughout our nation. And as the numbers and as the ratio and as the rate of abortions has been falling in these recent decades, the ability of women to rise higher and higher, do we not have see this in government as well as, as in academia and in media, the ability of women to rise higher and higher in the success with which they pursue and hold their careers has been growing, not decreasing, growing. And so Justice Alito assesses that, no, this is a fake argument, this reliance, and we should also throw that out as well. So more to say about this next time, but friends, let's turn again to the Lord in prayer and ask that the Supreme Court hold on now to the right judgment that this Alito leaked unofficial draft opinion nevertheless reflects. Let's pray the justices hold on to that. I think they will hold on to that judgment and get rid of Roe and Casey once and for all. Lord, we thank you for this moment in our history, and we thank you that we are all part of it. We thank you that we are, are able to understand uh, what, this, uh, what this document is saying, uh, that we are able to discuss it with our friends and neighbors. Enable us, Lord, to do that well, and to do that with trust that you yourself are guiding this nation and will continue to guide this movement for life. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Spread the word about this program. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.